Since the beginning of time, God has chosen to use people to build His kingdom. And despite countless obstacles and distractions, His kingdom continues to grow. This isn't due to any one person or group of people. The advancement of the kingdom of God requires the united effort of the church. Together, we must spread the truth and love of Christ in our neighborhoods and community. Together, we must break down every barrier we encounter until we make disciples among every people group on earth. If we truly want to reach the lost, we can't expect them to come to us. Now more than ever before, we are moving out. I remember the first time that I met my in-laws, Kim's family asked me over to dinner, and I was a big fan of washing hands before that was really cool, and uh, I I went in to wash my hands before dinner, and I'll never forget, on their mirror in their bathroom, they had a post-it note, just a simple yellow post-it note like this, and it said, I can say no. I can say no. It's underlined. This isn't the very note. I recreated it just for a prop here. But it looked just like this. I can say no. And I was thinking, what in the world is this about? Maybe they're trying to hint to Kim, you know, this relationship is just getting started. No harm, no foul. You can get out pretty easy. I wasn't sure where this was going, but there was a note. It was right there in front of me. Uh, for one of the really fun seasons in our family's life was uh, Kim and Noah and Ransom all got to spend a lot of time at the Cumberland County Playhouse. We got to be really involved there and we got to be backstage. One of the things we got used to in the rhythm there was no matter how well any rehearsal went or how poorly, it was just, it happened every time, that, that when a rehearsal was over they would all sit down, everybody, all the professionals, all the volunteers, everybody, and the director would have some notes. And they would go over some certain things. Hey, this was great. You got to work on this. This needs to be louder. This needs to be more exciting. That's not funny enough. They'd go over this. And, and it was cool because nobody really had a big attitude about it. They just knew this is how we do it. They were all trying to do the best possible job. I don't know. One, if you like Billy Joel, one of my favorite old songs is called Anthony's Song, Moving Out. And it's one of the many places we got... One of the many places we got the title for this sermon and some of the images that we're going to be using over the next several weeks. But just in case you don't remember, I love this song. It's about how a lot of people keep telling you you should live for money. You should have a bigger house, a bigger car. And it's really not what it's about. It kind of goes like this. Anthony works at the grocery store, saving his pennies for someday. But Mama Leone left a note on the door. She said, son, move on out to the country. I've been working too hard, can't give you a heart attack. You ought to know by now. Who needs a house out in Hackensack? Is that all you get for your money? Well, it seems like a waste of time. If that's what it's all about. Mama, if that's moving up, then I'm moving out. You know that song? That's a great song. (laughs) Thank you. That was was nice. (laughs) But seriously, I love that idea uh, that you're always going to have people giving you notes. 
But you don't have to follow him. That's one of the places we're going to start today. Jesus always had people giving him notes, especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. And one of the things that Jesus kept reminding them about was this. God's script is more important than anyone's notes. God's script is more important than anyone's notes. If you're following along with the, the, uh, in the bulletin, there's an outline. This is where that would start. We send it out digitally. If, you, if you're one of those people, great. If not, just keep paying attention. Um, God's script is more important than anyone's notes. Here's an example. They tried to, in Matthew 22, they tried to pick a fight with him. And they asked him, what do you think is the most important law? And what they're hoping he's going to do is say, well, you know, murder. And then they could go, well, what about adultery? Didn't you read Hosea? But marriage represents God in the church. Or if he said adultery or one of the other sins, they could go, well, what about murder? That's killing people. And they, they wanted to pick this argument. But Jesus goes, I, I don't have time to argue with you about which ones you think are more important. Let's go back to the original thing here. The most important ones are, those of you who are online, you may not be able to see what I'm pointing at, but we always have these banners here to remind us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. You just said, actually, all of the other rules hang up on those two. You can sum up all of them in those two things. That's the heart of what God is trying to do. That is his design. Last week we looked at the, um, Matthew 23, 23, very similar situation. But Jesus is talking to them and he says, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Here we see Jesus is honoring the tradition of a tithe and the expression of that, but he's reminding them the point is not that God just really likes the number 10%. I, I, I promise you that we believe in tithes and offerings here. We need them. That's God's design. But if somebody gives you 10 M&Ms, please don't put one of them in the offering plate. That's not the point. The point is trust. The point is gratitude. The point is acknowledging that God is the source of anything that we get. And giving him back the first and the best is an act of trust and an act of love and an act of worship. And that's how he finances all the things he wants his people to do together. That's the issue. That's the script. All the other stuff is notes. Is it starting to make a little bit of sense? I know they ask that too much, but it's so important to me that you grab this. If, if so, can you give me a thumbs up maybe? Awesome. Here we go. Maybe an out loud amen once in a while. We'll figure this out. But here's something I want you to do. I want you to smile. If you haven't smiled yet today, this is your first chance. I need you to do it on purpose, even if you don't feel it. I need you to smile. I need you to say this out loud with me. We don't have to follow all the notes others give us. One more time. We don't have to follow all the notes others give us. That feels good, doesn't it? It's true. I remember back in the late 1900s, um, back, that was 1999, actually. Some, some of you can remember back that far. But Morrison Hill at that time had a, had a Christian school. And among all the other hats I was wearing at the time, I was the PE teacher. And one day, uh, one of the kids had brought a boom box and he was playing his music. And a song came on called Come With Me by Puff Daddy. I don't know if you remember that song. It was themed from a movie called Godzilla. It's a pretty cool song. And I was like, I like, I like the way it sounded. And he goes, you like Puff Daddy? And I go, well, I'll tell you what. What makes that song amazing 
is the whole thing is a sample of Jimmy Page's guitar work in Led Zeppelin's Cashmere. <laughs> and that is cool. I love that. And he, I'll never forget, he, he, he stopped, he grabbed his basketball, and he looked at me, and he knew I was a musician and that I was really trying to do a lot more music at the time. He looked me in the eye and he said, what do you know about what makes a song a hit? How many hits have you had? I'm telling you what, that was about, that was over 20 years ago, and that still hurts when I think about it. But that was a note that I didn't ask for. That was a note from a middle school boy that didn't know near as much about music as I know. I'm not trying to pick on him, I'm just telling you the truth. But listen, here's, what I, here's why I share that. Imagine if I would have rearranged my life to please that kid. Imagine if I would have rearranged my life. 1999 was the year we built the house we used to live in. Ransom was about to be born. We were only a few years into our ministry here. There was a lot going on. If I would have rearranged my life and thrown everything that I had into trying to get at least one hit, you know what I'm saying? The chances of me actually having a big hit are very, very, very tiny. The chance of me losing my family, my ministry, my integrity, a bunch of other things are pretty high. <clears throat> are you with me? And even if I would have done it, if I would have had this massive big hit and I came back to that kid years later and go, there, what now, punk? <laughs> he wouldn't have even remembered that conversation. And again, I share that with you, not to make you feel bad for me or angry at that kid. It's just, this is life. This happens all the time. And some of us make some really dumb choices, really big choices based on things that people tell us. And those people don't even care about us. They're not going to be in our lives five years from now. They don't have any authority whatsoever, any place at all to be giving us those notes. But they're going to be giving them to us. Are you with me? What a blessing that we don't have to follow all of them. I'm going to read this part um, straight out because I, oh, I chose the words really carefully. It says a call back to where we've been the last several weeks. Then we're going to move on where we are today. We can't please everyone. And that should not be our goal. But Jesus will hold us accountable to do what he told us to do. As his body, we must work together to accomplish his will. So the only notes that matter are the ones that help us accomplish his will better. And those notes we should actually be really open and humble about. Those notes we should be listening to. Those notes we should actually be looking for. James says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. There's a lot of things that people get angry about. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. But the script is this righteousness that God desires. The external and horizontal peace that passes understanding that we were talking about last week. So again, we've got to stay open and humble and courageous enough to keep learning, to keep improving, to keep asking questions. One of my heroes from history is Martin Luther. He's a Catholic priest, and 10 years into his ministry as a priest, he took on the entire church of his day, the Pope himself, and literally nailed a note on the door. This goes a lot of different directions, that's why this is called that today. He literally nailed a note on the door, which we now call the 95 Theses. And he had a whole bunch of questions 
A whole bunch of really big questions. Now, the thing I love about Martin Luther is this. He was willing to follow the truth wherever it led. He was willing to ask the hard questions. He was a human being just like all of us. If you read every single thing he ever read, I don't agree with everything he said. But I love the idea that he was willing to ask hard questions and ask the church hard questions and follow wherever the truth led. Here's what I love even more. At that era of the church, nobody had heard any scripture in any language except for Latin for a long time, hundreds of years. And nobody spoke Latin. The only thing that they heard, the only thing that they actually heard in their own language ever, wherever they were in the world, was the notes, not the script. So Martin Luther, he lived in Germany. He translated the whole Bible into German so they could read the script for themselves. And it started changing everything. Not just the church, but education and reading and a whole bunch of other things. It just The Protestant Reformation was just part of what happened when people started reading God's word for themselves in a language that they understood. The script is always more important than the notes. Another person I actually have a lot of respect for is Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, big fan of him. Uh, cool new documentary and movie about him and stuff like that. One of his cool quotes that I love is he says this, whatever is mentionable can be more manageable. Whatever is mentionable can be more manageable. And that means if we ask the question, if we state our fear, if we say out loud the doubt that we're feeling or, or that we're sad or we're happy or whatever, you can actually have some control over that. Not, not complete control, but you actually can go somewhere. We can actually maybe fix some things if we talk about them out loud. That's why on his program that was for little kids, he talked about death. And he talked about a whole bunch of other things that most of the kids shows still don't ever talk about. Because he knew that if we could just talk about it, we could get there. We might be able to do something about it. On MrRogers.org it says, Don't be fooled by what appears on the surface to be a simple television show. There's a reason for everything Mr. Rogers does. He practiced and he taught and he modeled self-control. He spoke the truth in love. You may not know this, but he was actually an ordained Presbyterian minister with a special ordination to work with children. When he found out about TV, he was like, that could reach even more kids. He's very strategic about choosing his life's work. He also knew something else. He knew that saying that something was true, or saying that something was good, or saying that something was false, or that something was wrong, has nothing to do with how we feel about the people who do those things, or how we feel about ourselves, or whoever told us those things in the first place. It just is a statement of truth. That when you say that something is true and good. He knew that fear and hate and rejecting people are terrible things. But they're not the same thing as saying that something is a sin. Or something is wrong. Speaking of going wherever the truth takes you. Back to Luther's thing. His aha passage. One of the ones that really just started electrifying him. And making him willing to ask him even more questions. And start making some changes. Was Romans 10. Verses 9 through 10. And in that amazing passage, uh, Paul is talking about how we are saved by just calling on the name of Jesus. But Luther and many others since then have looked in the rest of that whole passage. 
Paul is not really talking so much about how to become a Christian there. He's saying that the Jews think they're going to be saved because they're Jews. The new Gentile Christians thought that they were going to be saved because they were the, whole, they were the new kids and these are the people God loves now. He's saying, no, you're going, to be called, you're going to be saved by calling on the name of Jesus Christ. He was willing to say out loud these really big tension things that were happening in the church at the time and say, no, no, no. Forget all those notes you're hearing. Let's back to the script. We're talking about Jesus. And Jesus will take anybody. Jesus will transform anybody. That's the good news. So that's what we've got to share. We've got to share the good news. How many have seen that Geico commercial? Or There's actually several of them where they, they say something that's really bad and then they go, but I've got good news. You know what I'm talking about? And the good news is they saved money on their car insurance. That's not good news. I mean, it might be for them, but that's not good news for somebody else. That's, that's what, and sometimes I think Christians, that's how we make other people feel. Hey, we got great news for you. What's that? Or why don't you come to church and see? Why don't you come to church? Or why don't you watch online? Okay, what are you going to do? Well, we sing and uh, we take communion and um, this guy talks for a while. Sounds wonderful. You know what I'm saying? If you didn't know what it's really about, if you don't know what the script is, it doesn't matter how, many, how great the notes are. When we were at the Cumberland County Playhouse, one of the best plays that I, one of my favorites, they did Oklahoma. We didn't get to be in that one, but um, I love that musical. I've seen it a bunch of places. I've enjoyed it everywhere. Their version was my favorite. Their notes on it, their particular spin on each character and each song was just amazing. But you know what makes Oklahoma a great musical? Even when it's a bunch of high school kids that have never acted on a stage before or any other venue, it's a great musical. The script is good. From the time Curly walks out and goes, oh, what a beautiful morning, to the end where they're all going, oh, Oklahoma, where the wind comes. Right? The whole thing is good. It's fun. Here's what the notes are for. The notes are when they say, hey, you know what? Today, here is the stage we have. These are the actors we have. This is the orchestra we have today. This is the audience we have today. How can we best translate this amazing script for this situation right now? Those are good notes. Those are the valuable notes. Those are the ones we've got to be listening to. But they only matter if the script is good. We have the best script there's ever been. We have legitimate good news. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. All this is good news. Reminding us one more time. God always does what only he can do for us. And he did everything. There's none of those things we could do. But listen. Here's the other side of the good news. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us to do long ago. He's inviting us into this. He's calling us into this. We get to be part of the good news. We get to be part of sharing it and recruiting new followers. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record some version of Jesus sending everybody out. Luke recorded it twice. Acts 1, verse 8. Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If you hadn't noticed already, there's a handout in your bulletin or wherever you could have downloaded something online. I'd like you to look at that. We won't have time for you to fill it out that much, but let me just unpack this briefly. I I believe almost everybody here has heard this idea before, but we're going to be following this pattern in the next several weeks in some fresh and really practical ways. And I'd like you to start today with asking God how he wants you as an individual to follow this pattern. Jerusalem represents where you are right this minute, right now, right here this morning. In any area of your life, any relationship you're having trouble with or wanting to start, any um, thing that you're trying to do in the world, any, your relationship with God, whatever it is, right here, right now, this is you. Judea represents the people around you, your family, your friends, the people you work with, where you go to school, any, any, anybody that you have easy access to, they're part of your community, they're part of your life every day. Samaria so are people you can get to pretty quick. But there's cultural barriers. There are other kinds of reasons. There's reasons you don't actually connect all the time, even though you could. But we're supposed to expand out into them as well. To spread God's love and the good news there as well. And then the ends of the earth represents the ends of the earth. It means literally we're supposed to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey all the things that he has commanded. And when we do that, Jesus promises that he will always be with us. Now, our church and every church there is that's ever tried their best to follow what the scriptures said knows this. And to some degree, they're doing this. And the fact that there's still a church is because they are doing this. And God blesses when we do his will. But if you'll forgive me, I have some notes. One of the great things that almost every church does is build a building and start some programs. For a long time in America, those things work pretty well. And so a lot of times people would judge other churches, which churches are the best, by the best and biggest buildings and the most exciting and popular programs. I want to remind you this morning that we're thankful for our building. We're thankful for everything God has provided for us. We work hard to create programs and we will continue to do so because we believe there is so much potential in them. But let me tell you something. Buildings and programs are notes. It's not the script. Are you with me? The script is transformed lives. The script is actually connecting with God and each other and truly worshiping and truly changing and truly being transformed and being obsessed with sharing the good news. With the whole world. Churches have forever uh, measured their success by the numbers. What's our attendance? How many people are showing up? It's a pretty good way to measure things. If things are going pretty well, people tend to show up. If it's a good movie, people tend to 
go see it, or at least they used to for 2020. It's a good ball team. People tend to go see it, used to. Well, churches are facing the same problem, but let me, let me tell you something. Growing numbers is a note. That's not the script. Is this connecting? Are you, track, are you reading my email? Are you tracking with me? Is this, is this happening? We can't confuse the notes with the script. We've got to remember what the script is. This is one of the things that I love so much about Fred Rogers is he knew what his script was. There were three things that were at the heart of every single thing that he did. Number one was he had integrity. He was who he was. He didn't pretend. That character he played on TV was just him. Number two, he was focused. He was constantly, every single detail of that show, every single detail, even what he did off stage, was constantly trying to follow his vision, what he felt like life was about, and his specific vision that God had given him to bless children. He also had a strategy that is exactly like Jesus' strategy, and the one that he asked us to follow. Start where you are and move out from there. One of the things that he did was really radical in the late 60s was he made friends and hired a guy named Francois Clemens. At that point, it was about a year right after Martin Luther King had been assassinated. It was right about the time that there were people that were closing down swimming pools rather than let African Americans swim in the pools with Caucasians. It was a rough moment. Terrible moment. Just breaks my heart to even think that that was ever America. But that was, that, was, that was how it was still. And here on this kid's show, you see a legitimate friendship. They were friends on and off camera. And, and he's just part of it. He even asked him to become the policeman role. Which, for several reasons, Francois Clemens did not really want to be the policeman character. But he did it because he was his friend and he saw the vision. He saw what he was doing. And one of the most iconic scenes ever in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was they stage it where Fred Rogers is cooling his feet in a little coolie pool and invites Officer Clemens to come and join him. And they dry off their feet with the same towel. He knew that if the two of them would have gone and protested or if they would have done anything else not as who they were, that it probably wouldn't have made much difference. But they knew that there were thousands and thousands of homes tuning into that program every day. And if some little kids could see two guys just being friends, two people just knowing that there's nothing going to happen here, there's nothing bad, this is totally cool, this is totally normal. That, that just was as normal to them as Mr. Rogers putting on a sweater. It could change the world. So he started where he was, and he started moving out from there. I respect that. See, that's always Jesus' plan. He does what only he can do. He creates groups for us to be in that are going to team up with him. His body, his church, his people, and all the different versions of that metaphor that we've been through recently and will go through again. He always does what only he can do. He always teams up with a whole group of human beings to get his job done. But he also, listen, he leaves the big choices up to the individuals. He leaves those choices up to you and up to me. Whether you join that group, whether you accept what he's done for you, whether you act on it, whether you change, whether you face whatever is holding you back, whether you 
embrace whatever he's calling you to do. That's on you. That's on me. You got to start with you. You got to start with you. This is his plan for everything. I'm not judging anybody. I'm not judging myself. I'm not judging the church. Asking us as a church to re-examine everything we're doing in these next several weeks and say, how can we shift our perspective more than ever before to always be outward instead of inward? How can we shift this? How can we mirror this image that Jesus has given us and make this the definition? This is how Morrison Hill works. Nobody can miss it. It's just... It's how it is. I'm asking us to do this not because I'm judging anybody, not because I think we're failing, just because this is what we have to keep coming back to. This is the script. You see it in every single thing Jesus said, including Matthew 7, where he said, don't judge by the measure you judge by others is what you'll be judged by. Take the log out of your own eye before you try to take the speck out of somebody else's. And at the end of that same passage, that same amazing chapter, he says, and people who listen to what he says and do it are like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And no matter what storms come, what floods rise, what happens, that house will stand because it's got a firm foundation. It's not built on notes, it's built on a script. It's a good one. This morning, here's what I'd love for you to do as you respond to this message. I want you to finish off this prayer in your own words. Lord, I will. And I want you to take some action on this. Here's specifically what I'd like you to do this morning. Lord, I will shift my perspective outward. Lord, I will shift my perspective outward. Does God want to do business in your heart? Yes, he wants to do business in your heart this morning. And just you praying that prayer, if you have trouble praying that prayer, that might be the first business you need to do. You need to start where you are and move out from there. But I'd like you to pray that prayer. And I'd like you to say, God, I'm going to shift my perspective outward, but I need your help. Show me what I need to do in my Jerusalem, my closest relationships, my family, my closest friends, my life group, my Sunday school class, whoever is closest to me. God, show me what you want me to do. How am I supposed to focus on my bigger circle of friends, people that I'm not reaching, that I actually avoid, and eventually the ends of the earth? God, I will shift my focus outward. Show me how. I'd like you to write those down. Take some time today. Write those down. Read through all these scriptures that I've listed here. We barely hinted at some of them. Pray that prayer and see what God does. And this morning, he might be asking you to do something right this minute. I'm asking you to make that choice right now. I don't know if he's asking you to give your life to him or give your life back to him after being gone for a long time. I don't know what kind of decision he may be leading you to do make it take that first step in the direction of turning your focus off of you and whatever's been holding you back put it on him in the world take that first step right now as we stand and sing you just listened to part one of moving out a five-part series on the sunday sermons podcast thank you for listening